probably the most precious time for all of us to receive from the Lord. God's presence is here. It's magnified because his body's together worshiping. Our praise has set up uh, an atmosphere of his presence. And I just want you to, right now, if there's anything bothering you, that you would just give it to the Lord. Just pray it off. Give it to him. Lord, we're asking that you would just come and minister to us. Come and reveal yourself to our spirit. Speak to us. Fill us up. Lord, we give you every concern and every distraction. God, we surrender every fear, every anxiety, every apprehension. God, we're here. And we know it's our individual call that you have on each one of us to come into that secret place. Come into that place that Andrea mentioned where we can wait on you. And I pray that every one of us would hear you today. And as we go, we know and believe that there's going to be a wisdom and a knowledge how to move forward in our lives. Lord, how to walk in a, in a place where we're freer from fear and anxiety. God, free from worry. God, where we can look at every challenge that faces us as an opportunity to see your hand of blessing and to see your goodwill unfold. I pray that you would just give us a, a clear understanding of your word today and how you're building our spiritual life. God, we pray against the spiritual atmosphere that would try to distract us today. Lord, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices and how he tries to use our own mind to distract us, uh, to cause us to uh, be fearful. And God, we're just asking, Lord, we're just claiming that we have the mind of Christ today. Let your word roll up from our spirit and counter negative thoughts, contrary feelings and emotions. I pray, Lord, like we prayed in pre-service, for I pray for people who are here today who are suffering from post-traumatic stress, from different situations that have happened in their life, from real experiences that have so touched their life that is now affecting their everyday living. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would remove the torment that the enemy is trying to do to keep people in their past and to uh, keep them from trusting you that those things are not going to happen again. And we pray against fear, and we pray against those things that trigger those areas that keep us in bondage. And we're asking for that transformation that we might, we might walk in that freedom. And God, we just thank you in Jesus' name. God, we thank you. Just take a moment, just kind of low under your breath so you don't feel too embarrassed, but thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you, Jesus, that you're here for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you care about me. If no one else would have received you, you would have died for me. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you that you're my answer. God, thank you that you are going to be filling me with your peace right now. Thank you that you are filling me with your Holy Spirit presence. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we've been talking about going into your inheritance, finding out what it is that God has for us and pressing into it. Our key verse today is Luke 11.2. And Jesus said to his disciples, when you pray, say, Our Father who is in heaven, how would be your name? Your kingdom come, your will be done, held holy and revered on earth as it is in heaven. We understand that Jesus came to the earth to buy us back from Satan's dominion and to give us an ability to have relationship with God. But really he came to destroy the power of Satan over our lives and the effects that he does in our lives to take away our joy, to make us fearful, to cause us to withdraw and be dependent upon ourselves, 
to cause us to walk in unforgiveness and places of bitterness because of things that we go through. But Jesus came and he asked us to pray, his will be done. He asked us every day to ask and draw in the kingdom of God, the will of God from heaven to earth so that we might experience heaven in our lives. And you know, you might say, wow, if I examine my life, I don't see heaven. Well, it might not be about the circumstances, but it's about the inner peace and presence of God that resides in our spirit if we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If we realize we are a sinner and, and there's a deep emptiness inside and we, need, and we need something, acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord and asking him to forgive us our sins and believing that he raised, he's raised from the dead, that somehow a spiritual, incredible spiritual work happens where our spirit is made alive. And from that place, God comes and he commits to us to fill us to overflowing, to pour into our spirit of himself, to awaken our discernment and our understanding that there is a God who is very relative and very caring. Just like we have people in the world are saying just the opposite. There is no God. There is no, no higher, per, higher being. We are on our own. Only those of you who accept Jesus Christ and interact with him know that that's not true. That you know in your personal relationship that you are in relationship with a God who's real. And he reveals himself to you. Maybe not every moment of the day. Maybe, maybe not every feeling that you have in your, in your emotions and in your body. But there are profound times where God shows up in ways that you cannot deny that God is in your life. And God is watching out for you. And God is caring for you. Jesus promises to give us keys that open the heavenly kingdom. You know, last week we talked about uh, John 10, 10, where Satan, the God of this world, the God of the spiritual atmosphere that we cannot see, the God who has uh, countless numbers of demonic uh, spirits that uh, do his bidding to uh, destroy people's lives and kill them and oppress them and distract them and uh, cause their joy to be taken away, that they are active even though we can't see them. And so he uses our inability to see them with our natural eye and he uses our other four senses to cause us to feel like God is powerless and removed. But it's all intimidation to keep us from enjoying the kingdom of God, heaven being open to us who live on this earth. You know, we, we talked about Matthew 16 for a number of weeks that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The demonic powers, Satan, and all of his strongholds will not keep what God is determined to happen from happening. You know, and our natural mind would, would try to analyze, well, wow, Jesus came to earth. He died on the cross. He was doing all kinds of miracles, but he was hated by everyone. And then he left. And our natural mind would say, how was their victory? The victory was in the spiritual realm. The victory was in the realm where we connect in spirit to spirit. The victory is where we can rise up on the inside and something rises up so strong on inside of us that we know that there is something that God does because he resides in our spirit and there's something that rises up in faith, that rises up in a confidence, that rises up beyond fear, intimidation, and apprehension and causes us to face our fears and our problems and to move into the destiny that God has and to move in to the inheritance that God has pre-planned and desires to give us. But if you were to read um, 1 Timothy 6.12, Paul is kind of referring in the, in the subnotes about this verse that we have an adversary. But he tells us to lay hold on eternal, on eternal life, 
to lay hold on this thing that's going on in our life, this relationship with Jesus Christ, because in it is God's power and the revelation of who God is to us and the unfolding of how God is going to reveal himself in our natural life and strengthen us spiritually. So here's Matthew 16, 19, the one right after Jesus said, I will build my church. And Jesus said this, I will give you the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, declared to be improper and unlawful on earth, must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, declare lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. So there's some things that are absolutes and already set. There are some things that go on in life that are they're, they're unmovable. But only in walking with God are you able to come into this understanding of what can be moved, what can be shaken, and what cannot be shaken. What you're going to deal with and what you don't have to deal with. You know, what the enemy is trying to dupe and pull over your eyes and what God is trying to set you free from. And so God says he's going to give us keys of the kingdom that we can bind and loose, that we can take this authority. It's interesting that when... Um, Joshua was, was getting ready to take that generation we've been talking about, that Joshua generation, out of the wilderness and into the promised land, that there was that transition where you saw worship rise to a new place. God had declared that he was going to be with Joshua in Joshua 5, and he was going to be with them as they go into the land because there was a change in God's plan, and he wanted them to inherit something. He wanted them to have some different things going on in their life. They were not to wander in the wilderness anymore. They were go, go and possess the territories and lands that they were to live in. But as they began to prepare to go to Jericho, there was something that began to happen. They began to put the ark of God's presence in front of them, they began to look at their enemy and began to walk around those walls of that city. Those walls were as high and wide, and so they were impenetrable. They were told to, the seven priests were to lead the ark, the seven priests were to play the trumpets, but they were not to say a word. There was a place that God was building in them, a faith and a confidence of what they were doing and how he was with them, that they weren't to throw their words out in a moment. Just like this scripture of binding and loosing, you know, we could be irritated with something and we could, you know, say, I'm going to bind this, I'm going to bind that. But there has to be a generated faith in what you know God wants to move that at a precise moment you declare what is unlawful in your life and what has been uh, being an irritation to you, what the enemy has been doing to suppress you and keep you from inheritance, where you begin to operate and you begin to say, no, no more is this going to be happening. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's something is there and you know it's wrong and you're tired of going and saying, I confess the sin, God forgive me. And there's a time when you realize I am free in Christ. I've been through water baptism. I've had the circumcision of my heart. There is a greater power in me than the power of my flesh to keep me in bondage. And you begin to say, no. And there's a day you stand up and you renounce that thing and you say, I'm not going back to it. And by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't go back there. And it's that same power that Jesus said to that woman who was in adultery. And he said, go and sin no more. And she went with the power and the deliverance and the freedom to never go back into that lifestyle. So the children of Israel were surrounding Jericho. They were surrounding their walls and they were keeping this silence. And they walked around the walls seven days. The trumpets going on, the music playing, the worship, just like we have worship today. 
As you begin to approach your land, you need the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. The ark of God is now in that, not in that little gold box somewhere that they can't find, but He resides in our human heart, in our spirit. He resides inside of us. The ark, the very presence of God that destroyed armies and brought the blessing of God as Israel went into the promised land. That same ark is our heart. That same ark is our spirit where the Holy Spirit resides. But it's the attack of the enemy over our mind and that magnifies our flesh that makes us feel like, oh, you know, we're just struggling little sinners and we're not walking this overcoming life. But I tell you, God wants to ha- you have to have a new mindset. He wants you to have a Jericho mindset that the strongholds are going to fall, that you're going to go in and possess those places that God has for you. And so I don't know what the people in Jericho thought, although they were probably afraid, seeing these crazy Israelites playing their music, and there's this worship atmosphere that's surrounding the land that they're going to take. They have not taken any land in 40 years. They don't know how to fight. That generation died without ever doing a fight. But this new generation, maybe they were apprehensive. Maybe there was this excitement growing on because, again, they heard of what God had done in Egypt. They saw what their parents gone through in wandering in the wilderness, and there's something inside of them. They were tired. They were ripe to press into Jericho. They were ripe to press into their promised land. And so there's this movement of people and warriors around the city over and over again, walking around each day. And on the seventh day, they're commanded to walk around seven times. But then they were to give their shout. They were to give that declaration. And there's something powerful when you are walking in the Spirit and you say what you need to say when it's time to say it. That breaks strongholds. We always talk about the story of little David where he gets those five stones and, and he fires that slingshot you know, off and that stone goes and hits Goliath in the forehead and we know the story. He falls over and David takes his, his own sword and cuts his head off and the enemy is destroyed. But it wasn't just that stone. It was in the divine timing of God. And as David stepped up to face that giant against whatever fear or apprehension he had, where he was spiritually, he was ready to go face that giant. But that stone, in the moment, in the timing of God, that stone took on supernatural power to hit that target. That Holy Spirit power was like a, like a laser point on a pistol that zoned in on that forehead because the Holy Spirit ordained and destined that stone to hit the target. And when it did, Goliath went down. I tell you, the giants in your land, the giants in your emotions, the giants in your heart, the giants in your mind, the giants of your past that stand and seek to steal your future and your inheritance will not stand if you let God do what He wants to do. If you abandon fear and you press in toward those places that God has for you. In 2 Corinthians 6, 4-10, Paul reveals a realistic view of the spiritual war we face. He's talking real. Again, it's nice when we always see the enemy falling and everything, and we have great victory, we feel great victory, and every prayer is immediately answered. But here's a reality, because Paul faced a real reality. And if you looked at his life, you wouldn't think he was very victorious. Paul says, We commend ourselves in every way, as true servants of God, through great endurance, in tribulation and suffering, in hardships and privations, in sore straits and calamities. Excuse me, isn't that the world we live in? In beatings and imprisonments, riots and labors, sleeplessness, watching and hunger, by innocence and purity, knowledge and spiritual insight, 
long-suffering and patience, kindness in the Holy Spirit, and unvain love. By speaking the word of truth in the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand to attack and the left hand to defend. Amid honor and dishonor, in defaming and in evil report, and in praise and in good report, we are branded as deceivers, imposters, and yet vindicated as truthful and honest. We are treated as unknown and ignored by the world, and yet we are well known and recognized by God and His people. As dying and yet here we are alive, as chastened by suffering and yet not killed, as grieved and mourning, yet we are always rejoicing, as poor ourselves, yet bestowing riches on many, as having nothing and yet in reality possessing all things. We're not going to be here forever. Whatever we can get, great. But I tell you what is building for us is this belief in God and this ability to appropriate heaven now. To the ability to walk with God and to know He's with you despite every opposition that you see and that you feel. I approach this pulpit every week in fear and intimidation with anxiety and wondering why you call me to this place. Why do I go through what I go through every week to get to Sunday? Why do I feel like I have nothing at times, but when I get up, something happens inside of me and there's, an, there's this release of the Holy Spirit that, that comes. It's the same thing all of us have to face. There's a giant, there's a destiny, there's a will of God for all of us, and we must press into it. I want to talk a little bit about inheritance. Again, our inheritance has to do with our warfare individually and collectively for each other. For each other because we all go through different things, but we all need each other's support. And I just want to let you know today, Dory wanted me to tell you, thank you for praying for her. She did come back this week, but she is down. She's on antibiotics. She had bronchitis, and she's down, but she's resting. But she has such stories she's going to be telling you about what God did in this women's retreat that she was participating in. So, she's not here. That's okay. Okay, this is 2 Peter 1, 2-4, and I'm reading it from the King James. Again, Peter is speaking, and he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which having been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. His divine power. There we it go. The power behind the stone that knocked out Goliath. His divine power. The knowledge. There's a show. I don't know if you watched it, but we watched it yesterday, me and Dory, about showing people uh, who have inheritance and what they go through to try to collect their inheritance. The litigation in the court. The people who are stubborn that won't... Uh, concede their their part so that everyone can get their inheritance and just watching that show i realized even in the natural sometimes you have to go through a lot of court battles you have to go through a lot of legal things to get your inheritance it's the same way things spiritually god's divine power has given us all things that we need but we have to appropriate it 
It's not just going to be happening. I can't appropriate it from you, for you. I can encourage you. I can pray for you. I can stand with you when you're going through things. But I tell you, you have to get with God and you have to be tenacious and you have to lay hold on those promises that are for you. You have to say, no, I don't care how many times I fall down. I don't care how many times I walk around my Jericho. I am going to obtain what you have for me, God. I'm not going to settle for second best. I'm not going to settle for plan A, B, C, D, Z. I'm going to settle for plan A. I'm going to settle for your plan. I may not like what plan A looks like, but God, I have to believe that your will and what you have for me and your inheritance is better than anything I can figure out. Again, ask some of those people with gray hair. We can tell you that if we had your youth, we'd go back and do things a lot differently because we've gained wisdom on our mistakes. And the times we haven't listened to God, we haven't pressed into God, we haven't waited on God because in God is the best. And yes, the cross does hurt and God's best sometimes is painful to get there, but it's worth it because everything we try to get on our own besides God or apart from God does not satisfy, does not fulfill, does not hook us into the eternal purposes and the will of God that God has for us and our eternal inheritance and our natural inheritance. God will provide an inheritance that fits our desire perfectly. Ephesians 1, 9-11. God, our Heavenly Father, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He proposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have attained, we've already obtained, an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. Again, he's bringing us back to his will, that he has a will and we've already inherited it, but it's possessing it. It's it's tuning in to God and letting the Holy Spirit seep in and soak our heart. How many of us, you know, we have, we have places in our, in our yards that are hard, bone dry. And sometimes it takes a gentle flow of water on it, a gentle sprinkler on for a while to soften that ground. That's so often. Sometimes we press into God's presence or we breathe a quick prayer. I tell you, our heart it takes that sensitivity. We have to build that sensitivity between me and God so that I can hear what he's saying, so that I have ears to understand what he's saying, so I have the patience to receive what he's saying. That's why even just sitting here at the beginning, for you to just get in that place, I'm trying to get you in that place where you're in the receiving mode. It's just me and God. I, I need something, God. I'm here for, yeah, when 12 o'clock comes, boom, we're going to rush out. We have, a, we have a busy life ahead of us. But in these moments, I tell you, if you can tap in, to the Lord. If you could even come and get prayer, something's going to happen to you. You're, again, you're giving time. You're giving time for the Holy Spirit to speak to your spirit. You're giving time for your Holy Spirit to fill up, fill up with his presence so that your natural mind and your, your uh, agitated emotions can come under the presence of God, filling your spirit. And then you could take authority over your spirit, over your soul with your spirit and, and let the peace and calmness of God fill you up. Again, you can grab hold of the truth. There's a nugget for each one of us that God wants to apply today, that he wants to put down in our heart, and then he's going to grow and build on that. Perfect gifts. James 1.17. Perfect gifts are our inheritance. I don't know about you, but when you get a gift, don't you want something that you're not going to put in your re-gifting drawer? 
Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Our Father, He has good things for us. And He comes down, and those gifts come down from the Father of lights. Again, that word, Lita, light. With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Ever watched, ever been, like maybe sitting, you have a little time, it's hot summer day and you're in a shade tree. But you know how the sun moves, you have to keep getting up, keep moving your chair. How many had to do that? sun is chasing you or you're under an umbrella and you've got to keep moving around that table because the sun is trying to get you. There's no shadow of turning in the perfect gifts that he wants to give you. He wants to shower us with perfect gifts. There's no chance that he's going to turn in his desire to shower us with good things. Again, our mind, what we determine sometimes are good gifts are not good gifts. They're not good gifts. My, my sister once told me about this lady that she worked with and she was always trying to share the gospel with her and she was saying oh she fell in love with this guy so you know he was the love of her life so she left her husband and then in a few months she came back and she said what did i do what did i do i left my husband my husband was a gem i'm now with this guy he's a loser what did i do i ruined my whole life i, I ruined everything i had again our momentary satisfaction is very deceptive God has good things for us. God has good things for us. God has good gifts for us. God has great things for us. And even if we blow it, we can repent and we can come back to that place where we're in line that heaven can download the good gifts, the good things he has for us. The doors of heaven are open. The windows of heaven are open. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Again, God is trying to get us in that place where we are his ambassadors on the earth and we are deputized and authorized to Bring the kingdom of God into this broken world. And I tell you, just the last couple of weeks, our world is getting pretty broken. The enemies of our inheritance. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Paul, an apostle, writes the church. And he tells us, Be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which comes, which is boundless, and it provides might. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy-armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be successful to stand against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. You know, we've, those of you who have been in church, we've read this so many times, and we have these images of putting on armor. But I think a lot of times, again, just like I think back in those days, it took some time to put on their coats of mail and their armor. I, I think it's about analyzing what kind of thoughts that we're having, what kind of feelings that we're having, what are we dealing with for, for each day, and again, surrendering them to the Lord, putting our mind in that place where it's protective from those attacks of the enemy, from the strongholds of the enemy who attacks our mind, and then he can affect our emotions, and then he puts our spirit in, in just like a, a blank place, in a, in a neutral place. And then we're just kind of floating through the day. We're not operating in the power of God, not operating in the wisdom of God, not operating in the confidence of God that comes when our armor's in place. And so it's simply a lot of it's putting our, our mind and emotions in this place of, of trusting in God, asking for, for his strength, asking for his provision, especially in areas that you have a need. Ask God for it. And if there's places you're compromising in any way, do it God's way. You don't know what great miracle God wants to do for you 
if you just put his plan first. Verse 12, For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotism, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness and heavenly supernatural spirits. If you guys wrote that scripture down or marked it in your Bible and read it every day, I tell you, it would help you to realize you are not, you are not in this thing alone. And I'm telling you, you have an enemy. You may have a number of enemies, but you can't always see them. And he does not want you to prosper in any way. He doesn't want your families to prosper. He doesn't want your businesses to prosper. He doesn't want your jobs to prosper. He doesn't want your health to prosper. He doesn't want you to have a future or a hope. And so he, he's, in, he's over our government. He's over all the governments of the world. He's in our local governments. He's there attacking. That's why we pray for our Jerry Munzer, because he's in the seat of authority in our, in our government. And we pray that God uses him and influence him. We've already seen a number of things happen for our, our county. And he's under attack by people because they have an agenda and they're used by the enemy to attack him. They're trying to discourage him. He's called of God to walk in a spiritual place of authority in natural government. We have an enemy. We've got to recognize we have an enemy. When things go bad, it's not your spouse. It's not your sister. It's not your brother. It's the enemy. Yes, he has willing agents and some people are more willing than others. But he's trying to discourage you. He's trying to make you give up. You know, you, we get these glimpses. We have these, these God moments where God imparts what he wants to do and we have a revelation of, of how he wants to work. But those quickly, those feelings and those emotions go away and we're left with our own thinking connected in this world. And we think, it's not going to happen. How many times you, you connect with God and you know something and then the next minute you go, it ain't going to happen. Our own mind, that's the enemy. That's these wicked spirits. And I just love how God teaches us about spiritual warfare. I love how Jesus declared one of the disciples, oh, yeah, Satan, oh, I saw him fall like an angel of light. Like a, like, pff, crash. Powerless. And more powerless because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice and what he did in the spiritual realm. More powerful because you asked Jesus Christ to come in your life. More powerful because you're asking God every day to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Fill me to overflowing. God, fill me with power. Just like you're plugging your phone in every day. Just like you're plugging your cordless screwdriver and your, all your cordless things in. And I don't know about you, but the, my cordless things, they always have to be plugged in. My phone always needs a charge. And I'm always stopping to charge in. Why? Because I can't do anything unless it's charged. What about our spirit? We are bombarded constantly. We are under attack constantly by the enemy. He wants to rip us off. He causes the agitation, the irritation. We get frustrated. We say, let's just forget it. How many of us, you know, well, let's just forget our, our families. Let's forget our marriage. Let's just forget it. That's the enemy. He attacks us and gets us weak. He gets us tired. He causes us to lose sleep. Our enemy, we have an enemy. We don't wrestle against people. We wrestle against master spirits world rulers of this present darkness who influence people. Again, his whole thing is to move through people. We are not demon-possessed, but we get demon-oppressed. We get demonized by our mind, will, and emotions. He attacks us on the inside. He attacks us in here. And so that's where we begin to stand and take our place. We begin to say, no, no, no. Just like the flies that swoop over your head. No! I'm not going to take it anymore. No. 
you might have to get, again, I tell you this every so often, you might have to get privately because you need, when you get ready to address these things, you might have to get a little bit loud. Like that dog that's trying to bite you. Oh, please don't bite me. That dog is eating on you. No, in Jesus' name, get away. No, I've had it. You as married couples, there is such a dynamite power when you get into a place of unity and you realize, let's start fighting the guy who's really stirring things up. Let's take every problem we have. Let's take everything that we've done. Obviously, if you've done marriage for a while, you look at your history and, and look at your progress. And if you don't feel like you're making that good progress, let's say, let's do something differently. Let's do something differently. And until Jesus comes back or we die, we're going to do things differently. We're going to vote God into this thing. We're going to pray about everything that comes up. And you know what happens when you start praying with people? You feel shame. You feel insecure. The enemy says, oh, this is how you acted before. Or this is what your attitude Get away. We're going to do things differently. We're going to humble ourselves. We are going to pray with people. We are going to move forward because there's a world out there that's dying. There's a world out there that has so many alternatives spiritually that they're, they're put us Christians, they kind of just brush us off. Why? We're not powerful enough. We're not doing enough. And it's not that we're going to do things in the flesh because there's a lot of people doing things in their flesh. But unless we get our spiritual attitudes right, unless we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're not going to do what Jesus said we could do. And I'm, sp- I'm speaking to myself as I'm speaking to you. Your success determines how good I'm doing my job. You're supposed to rise up and leave me in the dust. Leave me an old man in the dust. See, Bruce, we're going to do it. We're going to win the world for Christ. We're going to use every gift we have. We're going to love like we've never loved before. Those of you who have deep wounds and you feel like you can't love, those of you who have personalities that feel like you've been rejected and you've been so hurt, I tell you the love of God is going to so transform you that the love of God is going to ooze out of your heart, and that's what's going to change people. Forgiveness where you couldn't forgive, it's going to come out. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to push your unforgiveness, your bitterness, your hurt, your trauma out of your life, and the love of God is going to only thing that's going to remain in there, but it's going to be a flow, a continual flow. Some of you are from broken homes and have broken marriages. You're going to be loved to that spouse that has hurt you. You're going to see kids restored because you're going to step up and be in those places that you weren't able to be there before because you have such pain. I tell you, God wants to take no matter what you've been, no matter where you've gone, and he wants to do it differently in you, and he wants to do it through you. There are more stories that are going to be up here, just like we've had the last couple weeks. More stories of what God's doing in your life. So remember, let me give you the address again. Ephesians 6, 12 our enemy. Read it every day this week and realize he's defeated. So kick him out of your tongue, your heart, your attitude, of your surroundings, o- over, your, over your workplace. See, this is the, where binding and loosing becomes to have powerful. You walk into your, into your job and you pray for your coworkers. Or, you, or you're in your car before you get out. I bind every force of Satan in the name of Jesus that would come against our company. I pray the blessing of God on our company. I pray the blessing of God on my coworkers. I pray you'd give me eyes in my understanding to see who's open to, to let me just encourage them or maybe even a prayer for them today. Your enemies at work can become your best friends. Your boss can be, become someone who blesses you, takes you to lunch. I know because I had that happen the last four years of my work. My boss took me to lunch once a week. Everybody's going, you... So-and-so, what are you doing? What? I'm doing what my boss tells me. You go off and hide, I do what my boss tells me. So he takes me to lunch. That's your loss. I make the same amount of money, 
because I'm here for eight hours. What's your excuse? Going off and hiding, hating the boss because you don't want to do what he has you to do. I'm on gravy train the last four years of my job. Gravy train. <laughs> Enet Carl's Jr. wasn't cheap. <laughs> Verse 13, therefore put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day. Oh, you're going to get challenged. You're going to probably tell me next week, why did you give me that message? There was such stuff come against me. Why? Why? When you read about the parable of the sower, it talks about people who receive the Lord and they feel all this glory. They feel the presence of God. Oh my, this, I've been waiting for this Jesus. Oh, oh, this is awesome. But then it says immediately, what? Satan sees me. Oh no, come on, you demons, let's get them. There's an all-out attack. Why? Because they see in that moment you have such a transition, such an experience with the Holy Spirit. You have such freedom because you're no longer under this bondage. But for a brief moment, all heaven is on earth. But the enemy knows if that thing takes hold, you're a threat. So he's going to jump on you. He's going to try to beat you down. And many Christians, it says, then it says, and many people leave because they get discouraged. Oh, wow, I, I thought it was all going to be great. Yeah but you're going to have to keep fighting for it. You have to keep kicking it off. But look at it this way. If he's on you, we're going to have him so busy that, that he's going to be so focused on us, maybe he won't be bothering other people. And they'll be more free from demonic attack and, ah, oh, Jesus can get to their heart. And they can respond. So stand your ground. Again, determine you're going to fight. You're going to, you're going to fight. I love that old movie, The Magnificent Seven. They got those little farmers together and they told them, once you start fighting the, your, the bandits, you're going to have to fight until it's over. You can't just fight a little bit and give up. You have to fight until the bandits are not coming to you anymore because they're afraid of you. Amen. You have to determine you are going to have your inheritance. And I tell you, I've been praying for you guys. I've been crying out. I'm saying, uh, we don't have enough. We don't have enough, God. I'm not satisfied. And I love those moments where God takes you through this dissatisfaction with where you are spiritually. Those are good times. Why? Because you begin to ask. You begin to knock and seek. And you begin to look for something that, that's not being fulfilled. You begin to examine your Christian life and say, wait a second, it's not meeting that same standard that I saw on those disciples and apostles. doesn't mean we're all going to be apostles or do everything they do. They did. But we need to, to know what we're supposed to do. We need to know what gifts God has for us. And we need to step into them and operate in them. Here's the one verse I wanted to get to, verse 618. And especially we're going into uh, having National Day of Prayer on Thursday. So I hope all of you sign up and take a slot to pray. That you would just maybe sometimes in your lunch, in your car, or get away in your break time and, and just pray for our country. Our country needs help. There's a lot of demonic activity. There's a lot of voices our leaders are listening to. They have to go with, Whoever, whoever screams the loudest, you know? And I say, let God change their hearts. Let our prayers break off the demonic strongholds. Daniel did it. Come on, he was in the Old Testament. He was not even a, a born-again believer. Remember, it says that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Is because God allowed a new time slot to come on where we could be empowered by the Holy Spirit, born again, saved, more righteous, more connected with God than ever before. And so there's greater power access to us. Why are we not using it? We got to use it. 
We've got to use our power. We've got to connect. We've got we to have that. So verse 18 says, pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season. I think this is a season he wants us to pray. In the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreating God. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in the behalf of all saints, God's consecrated people. Paul says, pray, pray for him also. Pray for me that freedom of utterance may be given me. You need to pray for me. I need to be prayed for. You don't need just some light little meal on Sunday. You need me to speak the word of the Lord to you. And you need to be so tuned in with God that if I'm not saying something that applies to you, you're receiving from God. You've got to have spiritual bread. You need good bread. You need some steak from God. Excuse me, those of you who are vegans. You need a good steak. You need a good spiritual steak that your spirit can grab hold of and digest. And you can see that nugget that God gives you grow up inside of you and become something that it's operating in your life. So pray for me, just like they, Paul asked them to pray for him. For which I am an ambassador in a coupling chain in prison. Look, at he's in a, he's in a distressful place. If I could tell you sometimes the, the news that comes my way that tries to discourage me, I got an email yesterday, oh my Lord, that I may declare it boldly and courageously as I ought to. Again, God, God is for you, but Satan is going to use life circumstances. He's going to use people closest to you to throw the darts at, to stick the knife in you. Why? Because you're vulnerable, you're open, and you're going to get that thing that's going to try to get you angry or try to get you discouraged. But just pull it out. Lord Jesus, heal that deep wound. And let God get you up on the inside again and, and walking in love. Quickly, you know, one of the biggest tools also that Satan uses is unforgiveness. He's looking for places to have strongholds and to, again, what is this thing? To hinder our power, to hinder our active power. And so unforgiveness is a place that he uses to keep us in check. Then this story. If you read Luke 11, it'd be great, great week to read Luke 11 because it talks about prayer and Luke 18. But he tells this little story. Jesus is, what is he trying to do? He's trying to encourage people to keep praying. Again, we go through these highs and lows. There's times where we pray, 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 pray. Then times we're like, we hardly say in a word. Come on. We're supposed to pray without ceasing. Pray without stopping. Pray continually. So he tells this little story that someone had a friend. And I guess in that culture, you know, when they got, they got everyone laid out, there's, they're all connected and they can't get to the door. So a friend comes knocking on the door. Hey, open the door. I need some hot bread. Oh, I'm in bed. I can't come out. Open the door. I need bread. I got some travelers. So a friend, right? I'm in bed with all my kids. I need bread. How many of you have been worn out by someone knocking at your door? Give me, give me, give me, give me. So you get up and you give him the bread. So Jesus told that story. And then he goes on after the story to say this. Luke 11, 9 through 13. So Jesus continues. So I say to you, ask and keep on asking and it shall be given you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door shall be open to you. For everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives. And he who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. And to him who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. 
we have a great door of inheritance for each one of us. And God is telling to knock and seek and ask. Why? Remember, the enemy is occupying your inheritance. And God will not kick him out until you're ready to walk into it. God will open that door as you again press into that door, as you begin to knock and pray. And you say, God, I'm scared. I'm intimidated. I'm afraid. I'm not even, know, I'm not even sure how to approach this step I know you're wanting me to take. But I want to do it. And in that place, when you, when you are just walking with God, he's going to strengthen you, fill you, but he's going to give you that first step to take, but that door is going to open. He said that right there in his word. You can read this this week. He said he's going to open the door. And you might have to keep telling that. God, you said you're going to open the door. I know. Because what I'm talking about is a personal thing. It's a personal experience with Jesus. Each one of us in your heart is going to know what God wants you to do. You might be here today and you've never even taken that first step of asking Jesus Christ to come into your life. Today you can come up. You can ask Jesus to come into your life. People will pray with you and you can leave here knowing, I'm born again. Whoa, something's different. I'm alive here. I have a new, I have a new brainwave coming here. I have, I have a new hearing ear. What's going on? And you can launch with Jesus. There is a door of inheritance that God is leading each person to that he will open. Jesus has granted us a great power in the midst of being powerless, and that's prayer. You feel powerless? Great. That's when he becomes powerful. Are you weak? Great. That's where he's going to manifest his strength. Are you discouraged? Pray. He's going to encourage you. Look at David. You know, David, everyone was going to kill him. They, were, they, they found a focal point of his anger. Just usually leadership is a focal point of our anger. You're not doing it for me. What's going on? Let's kill David! If you're the leader of your home, everything is going to come down on you. Especially if you're rising to that place. Because God wants you to take that spiritual authority. Don't let it discourage you. God has honored you with a place of authority. Operate in it. Be a covering to your family. Be a covering wherever God puts you and determine that you are going to break the strongholds, that you're going to press in, you're going to pray for those under you. You're going to see a difference in your life. I felt pretty heavy this week because, you know, I've been really hanging with the Ellis's the last couple of weeks and, you know, everything Cliff's going through and, you know, they just keep cutting, had just kept cutting pieces off his foot, you know, and, he had gone through so much and they were just so discouraged and it was one of those powerless times I felt so powerless like God they are praying they're feeling Anita was feeling so discouraged you know how much more are they going to take off cliff you know so a lot of prayer is going on and then there are problems just collecting from their medical and collecting from their uh, disability and you know starting starting his retirement you know they've gone an extra two almost two months and so you know just struggles all these struggles but you know they had some breakthroughs this week they ended up not having to take cliff's leg off at the knee below the knee he's home you know god answered prayers i know the lees have lost a, their family member has lost a, a foot the last couple of weeks i mean we have faced such tragic things that discourage us hey i get discouraged too but i tell you you know what 
I, I buy in with what you're going through. That's why I feel like I'm down so, so much. I, I'm buying in with what you guys are going through. I get a prayer request. I get a text. My heart is joining with you. Why? If you're suffering, I'm suffering. You're my brothers and sisters. I want to see you overcome. When you're pressing into your land and you're having victory, I'm having victory. I'm like a little Moses. Come on, you guys. Let's go into the wilderness. Let's overcome.